we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I left. just want somebody to share my life. Money is always the key word, especially large amounts of money. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. I'm so glad to have you here with me for a very important episode of Dates and Mates. From West Elm Caleb to the Tinder swindler to Kim and Kanye, we've got digital safety and online etiquette on the brain, right? One study I saw predicted that if cybercrime continues at the current rate of growth, it'll cost $10.5 trillion globally by 2025. And I don't say all this stuff to scare you. I say it because... A lot of these scams, crimes, and sticky situations can be avoided if you know the signs to look for. So today, Burton Kelso will tell us how to stay protected in our search for love and in our relationships. But first, we've got a hot dish. The headlines this week are on again, off again, Grimes and Elon Musk. Is their relationship the wave of the future? And vulnerability is the new black. And now I have the research to prove it. Then later, I'll answer your questions, including she only drinks sometimes, but won't say how many times is sometimes. Should I be worried? And how do you let them down easy if you know it's not working out? We have a great show ready for you. So let's dish. D's dating dish. Our friends at Metro.co.uk said Grimes and Elon Musk's fluid relationship joins a cult of unconventional celebrity romances from Dolly Parton to Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. We keep hearing these headlines about relationships that don't fit into the mold because they are different. And even though like Will and Jada have been doing what Will and Jada have been doing from the beginning, now all of a sudden people want to talk about it because we're like, we don't understand. We only know monogamy. We only know this. We don't understand having children when you're not married. Having children when you're not even dating or living together. I don't know. I can't even keep up with the Grimes and Elon Musk situation because in case you haven't heard they welcomed a baby together in December uh, via surrogate. And this is when everybody thought their relationship was totally over. They actually separated in September 2021. So they weren't technically together. And then I guess Grimes said that they were maybe kind of together. Like he was her boyfriend, she guesses, but they don't live together and they like don't go by traditional rules. Then afterwards, she was like, no, actually, we are broken up. Then she she, she apparently was dating another woman. I don't know what Grimes is doing with her life. And you know what? I have to admit, I don't really care as long as she's happy. And as long as she is bringing kids into a world that makes sense for her. I think that is the the challenging thing is when you're just like rejecting all of the norms just to reject them and not realizing the impact that it has on other people in your life. But hey, if it's working for her, let it be. If it's working for Will and Jada, who have an open marriage, and I I think some would say one of the most successful relationships in Hollywood, let it 
be. Will and Jada say they've given each other trust and freedom with the belief that everybody has to find their own way and marriage for us can't be a prison. So I'm actually really glad that these relationships are making headlines. And look, I'm in a very traditional hetero monogamous relationship and I love that for me. But I recognize that for my listeners, that might not be what you want. So I am all for looking to these celebrity relationships as models for what is potentially possible for you. You have to be happy. You have to pursue your happiness. Let's look to these celebrity relationships. Let's look to Helena Bottom Carter and Tim Burton, who have been together since 2001, share two children, have never lived together. And Tim has the house next to hers and they're neighbors. How about that? It's kind of a throwback to uh, the Deb B. Singer episode of like, create your own life, your own relationship destiny, and what a privilege it is to have options today. That is so different from even one or two generations ago. So let's celebrate that. Let's wish Grimes and Elon Musk the best. I have no idea what they're doing. They're probably going to live on Mars one day. And if that makes them happy, then so be it. But you know what is really key in making a successful relationship work long term? Well, according to Pure Wow, it's vulnerability. They say vulnerability is the new foreplay. The article starts with an anecdote from the author who had a very honest, groundbreaking conversation with her partner. And through her partner's vulnerability, she realized like, oh, that's kind of sexy. I'm feeling connected. I'm feeling turned on. And that was kind of a new feeling for her. So she went to an award-winning somatic sexologist named Jaya. And Jaya says that vulnerability is a powerful ingredient to creating alignment between two people who wish to get their true desires fulfilled and their needs met. Sound like anything we just talked about? What? Uh, But basically, it's a way of exposing the most authentic you. How do you start? Well, Jaya says, gauge your partner's willingness and responsiveness when you choose to be vulnerable. So many times people are asking me, well, what does vulnerability mean? Like, does vulnerability mean I'm just going to tell them all this stuff on the first day? If they don't like it, then they can't handle me. (laughs) What is that? If you don't like me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Well, depending on where you are in the relationship, you might want to put best before worst just because, you I mean, give them something, give them a little appetizer and a moose bouche of the relationship to hang on to, to be invested in continuing before you hit them with the hard stuff. When we're talking about how vulnerable to be in the early phase of the relationship, I like to give it a ratio of making sure that you're both sharing and then listening as well. If there's a reciprocal share, then you know you're both getting to a place of mutual vulnerability and authenticity. If it's like an emotional dump and you realize, oh, I've been talking for 15 minutes and they haven't said anything at all, that's when you might be putting them a little bit into paralysis because they don't know how they're supposed to react, what they're supposed to do. You know, a lot of times when you're vulnerable, our instinct is to fix something, right? Oh, uh, you're vulnerable. You need help. How can I help you? And this article really shows that it's the act of vulnerability, of just the share that can be really bonding for two people if both people are willing to share. Once you get into the relationship, it triggers a whole other series of of emotions and levels of connection. And the article even states a study published in the Indian Journal of Psychiatry that said researchers found that 
oxytocin is released. It's the same chemical that's essential to arousal. And it's actually released in your bloodstream when you experience true and authentic vulnerability. Who knew? It's like you you open up and you share, and then that makes your body, it tells your body, I want to bond with someone. I want to be supported in this moment. So these researchers cited in the study found that oxytocin can really positively affect one's nurturing and caring behaviors. So in a way, it's a two-way street. If you show yourself to be vulnerable, it actually can show you to be more caring for the other person as well. It's like, it's a, it's a two-way street there. And that's where I come back to even this foundational element of early in the relationships, the reciprocal share and the really the showing of empathy. I know I feel like I talk about this empathy in dating every week, but here we are again. Empathy and dating is the answer to everything. But now the results that you're hearing are a little bit different because according to this article, practicing vulnerability can actually be an aphrodisiac. So it's not just a tool to get to know someone better. It's actually a potential tool to turn someone on. Well, now that I've got your juices flowing, when we come back, Bert and Kelso will be here to give us the deal with digital dating safety. And then later in the show, we have your questions, including what are the drinker red flags to look for if you're a teetotaler? Stick around. Welcome back. I am here with tech expert, TV personality, speaker, and entrepreneur, Burton Kelso. Burton is currently the chief tech expert of the award-winning tech service company Integral based in Kansas City. He is regularly featured on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox Morning Show speaking about internet safety. Burton's passion is to help people make sense of and get the most use out of the digital world they live in. Please help me give big smooches to my guest, Burton Kelso. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. We've been talking about doing a show together for quite a while. And now I just feel like with the Tinder swindler and inventing Anna and all of these these scammers in the news, I'm getting a bunch of questions about dating safety, online safety. And I was like, I need to go to the expert. I need to go to the tech expert. He's got to set us straight. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. We did an episode a few weeks ago on the Tinder swindler. So I don't want to go too deep into that because there's actually a lot of other things that we need to talk about in terms of digital hygiene, cybersecurity. And for those that are listening that are like, oh, but I don't do online dating, so it doesn't apply to me. Uh Uh-uh, girlfriend and boyfriend. You need to know there's more to your online identity that may impact your dating life, your relationships down the road. And I feel like people aren't talking about this. They're not even thinking about, about it, Burton. So let's just start with a little bit of dating safety, online dating safety. I hear all of these stats, Burton, that are like, oh, digital romance scams are on the rise. And my feeling as an online dating expert is that scammers go where there's critical mass. There are a lot more people using dating apps. I don't think that necessarily makes dating apps more dangerous, but it does mean that you have to have some of the knowledge that you're going to share to avoid being scammed yourself. Well, kind of the bad thing of online dating in the past is there was really no live video like we have now. So if you wanted to see someone, you would have to either mail a glamour shot 
or uh, another form of a photo to someone. But like you mentioned, as more and more people are moving online, uh, scammers go where the bodies are. You bring up a really good point that we have tools now to combat this that we didn't have back in the Middle Ages when I started online dating. (laughs) And I literally had to go to (laughs) FedEx Kinko's when it was still called Kinko's and scan my photos and email it. Now, you're right. We have we have video. We have verification. We have authenticity. Like I've said this on the show before. There's been a real move in online dating and dating apps specifically towards authenticity of it's not some random username. It's actually your name. It's actually your age. Now, I know people people be lying on Facebook. <laughs> this is an interesting thing. It's like all of our lies are coming to a head now because people who lied about their age on Facebook are now like, oh, I tried to sign up for my dating app and it has a different age. And it's like, you're just, okay, so you're just admitting you lied in your Facebook profile and now you're like forced to lie in your online <laughs> right. dating profile as well. What are some of the signs that you may be getting romance scammed? Because I really want to get into the nitty gritty, but I watched Tinder Swindler and I was like, this is literally, to me, textbook scammer. Like everything, I was like, red flag, red flag. And I'm not, I'm not victim shaming in any way because this guy was a class A scammer. This was the creme de la creme of, of nefarious dudes. But it really followed a script for me. What are some of the signs that you see digital scammers are about to pounce? <laughs> I love that, about to pounce. So some of these uh, signs that I see is obviously uh, you meet an uh, online scammer that needs money. So if you immediately get into an online relationship and all of a sudden the scammer's asking for money or gifts, money is always the key word, especially large amounts of money up front that's one of the big red signs or red flags that you should look for. No, <laughs> you shouldn't be giving them money. Even if they're like, uh, hit me up on my OnlyFans yeah, account. Right. Like, no, <laughs> that's, that's bad. That's bad, too. Right. But there's this way that they hook you in and make you feel like you're the only one. You are this princess. Like, this is what another thing we saw in Tinder Swindler. You're this princess that got chose, and he's going to wine and dine you and tell you all these things that you want to hear and there's actually a term for that grooming that you (laughs) grooming grooming (laughs) Grooming. but i've heard you talk about scammers socially engineering your romantic feelings what does that mean social engineering means that a scammer takes a look at a situation or person and finds out what their weak spots are and the thing about social media is that we're posting our thoughts and emotions uh, online daily, so it doesn't take long for a scammer to find out what you're about. I mean, they can find out birthdays, who your friends are, what you're passionate about, even before they meet you. And most scammers are going to find their targets, and they're going to do a little research so that they can social engineer them. I mean, I hate talking about this, but I love talking about it because it's so important. It's so important that you see the signs. And I'll also see... Sometimes it's if you read the thing that they wrote to you and you could step back and say, actually, this could be this could be sent to anyone. Like, you know, I look at my exchanges with friends and it's very specific. And when I 
look at sometimes these messages that my clients and listeners will send me and say, is this a scam? If I can read it and that could be sent to anyone, right. that is a sign. And that was another thing in Tinder Swindler. He was literally cut and pasting. Like they want to make you feel like they're, you're the only one. And yet they're sending this to 20 people, seeing who's going to take the bait, who can get groomed. As right, you say. exactly. And it's so easy to do in this day to cut and paste. And I think the thing that makes scammers uh, more efficient is the simple fact, like you said, Demona, is that they can cut and paste and they can carry on multiple conversations and have multiple people that they're grooming at the same time. And technology just makes it so easy. You can do it from a computer. You can do it from a smartphone. So you can be anywhere uh, and just send whatever you want, whenever you want. You know, it's it, that's the scary thing about technology. See, and this is why I'm always saying that it's the technology and it's our communication tools that have changed dating more than it's the dating app. So people like to blame the dating apps, um, you know, which, you know, we'll take our fair share of blame on the dating app side. But it's really the communication and that digital communication, everybody wanting to move to text and wanting it to be more efficient that has pushed us in this direction. So I'm with you on like enabling these other tools of verification and video and really using all the tools. But you mentioned social media. And so this is an arena where I feel like social media is a big old dating app. And a lot of people do not look at it in that way. But again, I, I hate to keep coming back to the Tinder swindler, but he she he knew that she would verify him based on social media because, oh, if it's on Instagram, it must be true. Right. right? right. <laughs> but beyond that, I've also had guests on the show who've talked about meeting their partners on Instagram. Nick Vile of the Vile Files. I did his podcast recently. He met his girlfriend. He's famous. He met his girlfriend by a DM slide. So it's definitely going down in the DMs. I No one's talking about this, though, Burton. I want to talk about, as a single person, what do we need to be thinking about, about putting out these tidbits that can be socially engineered against us? And what are the red flags or the signs that we need to be looking out for in the DMs, in the comments, on this, these social platforms when we might be using them as dating apps? It's just the best thing to do is to use common sense and slow your role, slow down when you're in these online relationships, because usually in about six months, someone's going to reveal who they are. We can only fake for so long. You know, I met my wife on in a chat room um, and we um, I think we met two days later because at that point, I'm like, I really want to know what this person's like and if they're real or not. And for me, the red flag was always if someone did not want to meet face to face you know, in a safe location, then I knew there was something going on with that person that, you know, I didn't need to deal with. So time is, yeah, is a good I thing. I like the way that you phrase that. <laughs> there is something going on with the person that you don't need to deal with. And we get so caught up in like, well, what's going on? Are they a scammer? Are they a catfish? Do they, are they married? Do they want to, you know, who cares? Who cares? It's not, that's not your person. You don't want to meet them. If they don't want to meet you, you don't want to get caught up because you will get emotionally on the hook the longer you talk to them and the more that you share with them. So sticking on this topic of social media, I find that a lot of people are just not aware of good digital hygiene and what they should be putting out in the world. Like for me, 
I never check in anywhere. I don't check in. <laughs> you will not see me checking in. You, you might see a post of me at a place after I've left, but I will rarely post in that place when I'm there. And then I've heard, Burton, that there's like digital metadata in your photos that you need to like turn off so that people can't reverse engineer. And like that is kind of next level. Maybe you know something about that. That's the next level I don't worry about. But like just as a general rule of thumb, for safety's sake, don't post where you are presently. But are there other rules or tips that you can share about digital safety and good digital hygiene on social media? Yeah, get a WhatsApp number or a Google voice number to hand out to people that you're dating. Uh, that way they don't get your phone number. And if they become a nuisance, you can change your number. Uh, but yeah, you don't, you definitely don't want to give out your cell phone number because uh, people can actually not track you uh, they could find out at least what carrier you are, and based on what you've shared on social media, there's a good opportunity that, you know, they could, if they become nefarious enough, they can, you know, take over your number or get access to your account and listen to voicemails. Wait a minute. That was the biggest jaw drop I have ever done on Dates and Mates. You said they can get into your account and listen to your stuff? Well, think about it. I mean, if someone has your cell phone number, they once you're in a relationship with them, they can get access to who your provider is, uh, maybe figure out what your passcode to your phone is, and then they can call the carrier, uh, change account settings, and then get access to your smartphone. My longtime listeners know I am about that burner phone life. <laughs> <laughs> we, our prior uh, presenting sponsor was Text Now. So same idea, get a second phone number for dating. But beyond that, I think sometimes people are only thinking in the immediate, Burton, and then they're not playing it forward. What happens when you're further down the road and you're in a relationship? We don't Think about what might happen if the relationship ends. And I found this survey by security.org that said eight in 10 Americans have reported experiencing harassment or security infractions from their ex after a breakup. What is up with this and how can we how can we avoid this in the future, but still stay romantic and optimistic about the relationship? I think you have to think what is the best timetable to share uh, intimate details like passwords and account numbers and stuff like that. And I mean, obviously, it shouldn't be right off the bat, but there has to be a long period of time before you start sharing that personal data with someone that you're in a relationship with. It can't be right off the bat. It has to be, you know, sometime down the road, like I would say at least a year before you start sharing that. Because under normal circumstances, why would someone need intimate details like that? I have realized that a lot of people don't know what information is even out there about them in the public. So, you know, we were talking about you're giving out your cell phone number. I taped an episode of the Drew Barrymore show. I don't know when it'll air, but I, I'm not telling tales out of school. I was talking about digital security and I was like, do a Google search on yourself so that you know what information is publicly available. And I was also like, get a, get a burner phone. I'm trying to get Drew to get a burner phone for dating. I'm like, get your dating burner phone because somebody could actually even find your location by searching your phone number. Right. And everybody was like, oh. like, I mean, I've never heard the Drew Barrymore Show audience be so quiet. I was like, 
Oh, great. I've scared everyone. But I feel like dating, single, whatever, these are things that you should be doing. Like, you should know what information is out there publicly available about yourself. What happens if you find information that is, like, too too public or not accurate? Like, how can you mitigate your risk if you find something? Well, one of the ways that you can take information of yourself off the Internet is to... Go to Google and tell Google that you don't want your information shared via Google and turn off some of those um, sharing features within Google uh, and your Google or your Microsoft account that shares out your personal data. Speaking of Google, people also ask me all the time, like, my spidey senses are going up about this person. How do I know if they're legit? How do I find out more information about this person? I consider myself, Burton, not to your level, but I consider myself a little bit of uh, an internet sleuth. (laughs) So I'm pretty good at it, but you're the expert. So I want to find out from you, how would you, if you were on a dating app and you, you had this person's, let's say you have their first name, and their pictures. What would you do if your spidey senses were going off to find out more information about this person? So you're a little bit more curious than I am. I'd be like, I'm done and just burn out, right? Like, see ya. But see, look, <laughs> no, because no, because they've socially engineered you to be emotionally hooked. So you're into it. I mean, and most of the people that write into the show and that, that come to me for coaching, they're at the point where it's like they want to believe that it's that this person is who they say they are when you are emotionally on the hook and you want it to work out people need receipts burton they need to figure out definitively is it a yes or is it right (laughs) google's a good place to start if you want to become an internet sleuth but also to everyone's on social media and even more people are on linkedin so people don't think about that. But yeah, go to a LinkedIn profile. If someone's employed, they're going to have a LinkedIn profile because A, they want to keep their options open. B, maybe they're an entrepreneur and they want to connect with more people. So I definitely would check on both uh, Facebook and, of course, LinkedIn because LinkedIn's got about 850 million users now. they got more users than TikTok. Wow. Everybody's trying to get a job. Uh, right. <laughs> the great resignation. Right. <laughs> You're actually confirming some things that I have said before, not on this show, but to, to some of my clients. I don't know if you like certify digital internet sleuths, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to apply because uh, I just told a client that they, they, this person they were dating was supposed to be some like big, I don't know, uh, some kind of big person in business. And I was like, have you looked them up on LinkedIn? Because <laughs> If he is who he says he is, he must have some LinkedIn account. Right. He's either an influencer on LinkedIn or he has his profile on LinkedIn. But if he's not, look, if you find out the name of the business, even if this person is not on LinkedIn themselves, look up their business on LinkedIn. Google their business. If they say they have a hobby and or they're like part of a sailing club or they're on the board of some charity look up the charity because they will list the officers the board members all this right That's exactly it's right. all out it there is. every you just have to know how to search you, for yeah, it. yeah you do i'm kind of loving we're gonna have a bunch of little internet sleuths like, <laughs> out here like check in check in for people um 
Image searches? Definitely. Talk us through a Google image search, because I, I had to do a little demo in my dating accelerator program recently, but you know more about it. Well, yeah, definitely with Google image did. searches, um, when you go to the main Google page, you can search by you know, everything, or you can just narrow it down to Google images. You type your subject in and see what photos pop up. It should be uh, whoever you're looking for or people with the same name, but um, you definitely, uh, on a dating profile, even on social media, you want to find make sure... Someone isn't using a um, headshot from Pixabay or from Wix or from uh, Squarespace of just some random dude that they posted on their social media platform. Because a lot of scam artists are really good that if they have a social media platform, it's going to be the same photo on all of their social if they use one. But you definitely want to look up and make sure that you don't find the wrong image for the right person that you're dating. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about looking for stock photo links when you search. But certainly if there's a name that comes up that's different, right. that's a red flag. Definitely, That's a definite red flag. But, you know, y'all, you can do a, a reverse image search in Google, too. So download their photo download don't screenshot people don't screenshot because it's not going to match it's not how it works it's looking at the metadata right you have to have you have to download the photo from the internets and then you can either upload it as a jpeg or put in the url of where it appears mm -hmm. and search that puppy right. see what it comes up associated with see similar images That's right? right yeah all these all these things okay burton before you go just just while everyone is like now just terrified on the edge of their seats, you posted something that really scared the mess out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell people about it. Air tags. Oh. I'm just going to say air tags. Tell people what you posted and why I'm oh. watching my back with everyone. I was getting there. But yeah, criminals are. <laughs> I was getting there. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Criminals are using air tags and smart tags to track people. You can c connect them to anything that is easily lost, and of course you can use your phone to locate that lost item. But now you are going to become the lost item because some um, stalker decides he likes you and he wants to find you, so he just may pop one in your purse or your pocket or even in your car. So definitely be aware if your iPhone uh, or even Samsung device pops up and says there's an unknown air tag or smart tag, Definitely pay attention to the alert and disable it so that you can stay safe. Oh, so you can disable. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah, it's okay. got a battery in it. So just pop it out. Mm -hmm. So now we have to gosh, Bert, we have to go to the club now with our purse. Do it like like my mama taught me. My mom's from Detroit and she does not play with safety and security. Let me tell you. You need to get that cross-the-shoulder bag, everybody. <laughs> get the cross-the-shoulder bag. Zip every pocket right. <laughs> immediately. You take your credit card out, zip the pocket. <laughs> now we need, I saw covers that go on top of drinks now as well. <laughs> so when you walk away, you, don't, you never walk away from your drink. But now, it's getting, it's getting wild out it here. It is. But here's the thing, Burton. I'm a lover of technology. I think you yes, are too. Yes, I am. And ultimately, I mean, you must be. <laughs> your life's work, right. right? I'm doing this show because I want everyone to have the information and to have the tools and to know how to use the tools. Because I think ultimately, even though it feels scarier because we're talking about it and it's in the news, we hear these stories. One, I think because they are so rare. Right. 
Two, because it's the never-ending cycle of news. They're just trying to get you to click. But I think actually, actually with these tools, we are safer than we were before. Because anything that we talked about, I think you can turn it around into safety. Like with the, the air tags or the sharing your location, share your location with your girlfriends the next time you go out on a date. Definitely. Oh, I love it. Okay, we're going to certify a bunch of internet sleuths and safety experts. <laughs> Everybody has all the tools that they need to be safe and successful in today's digital dating environment. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us, Burton. Thank you, Demona. Loved it. Be sure to check out Burton's website, burtonkelso.com, for more tech advice. And you can follow him on the socials at Burton Kelso. That's B-U-R-T-O-N-K-E-L-S-O. We'll put the link in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer your questions, including I confronted my date about their drinking, and now there's an elephant in the room. Is there any hope of getting around it? And how do you make a graceful exit if you figure out that he's not the one? Hmm. I'll tell you in a moment. I love nothing more than answering your love questions and helping you get your relationship future on track. And today we have two juicy questions on deck. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. Our first question is an Instagram message from Maria. She says, Dear Demona, I chose to only filter in partners who don't drink alcohol or only drink sometimes. I've been talking to a woman who seems lovely, has done some inner work. She has on her profile that she drinks sometimes, yet she messaged me late the other day saying she was just out of her little bar job to help her friend out. Alarm bells went off inside and I asked the next day, when you say you drink sometimes, what does that mean? As I'm looking for someone who preferably doesn't drink or drinks occasionally. She didn't reply to this specific message and I said again, I asked you this question and you didn't answer me. I just want to make sure that we're aligned with each other's values and she didn't reply again. And she said that the conversation wasn't feeling good and we briefly cut contact. We both decided to carry on talking, yet I feel like there's an elephant in the room now. Please advise. Okay, Maria, this is the kind of situation where you got what you asked for, but is what you asked for what you truly wanted? And the division between sometimes drinking and occasionally drinking is really cloudy. It's as cloudy as um, a glass of Guinness, girl. And I would say that you need to define what that means for you and what your comfort level is because any area where there's self-reportage, like on a dating app where people click boxes to say, this is, this is how I live my life, that is a discussion. And I'm just going to hope that this whole discussion that you had didn't happen over text. I'm going to just give you the benefit of the doubt that that all happened in person, right? Because also these nuanced conversations never go well over text. I had a, a situation in my own life where I I never like to have these sticky conversations in text. And I was talking to someone who was younger and I was like, oh, she doesn't want to get on the phone with me. I'm just going to text it. And it ended up blowing up in my face and she completely misunderstood what I was saying. And it's it's become a huge issue that is still not resolved. And 
if I just trusted my gut in that moment, I would have just picked up the phone. So I'm going to assume that you had that conversation in person or, you know, since you are dating or over the phone and not over text. So moving on from that, I, I want to just caution everybody listening that some of the language I talk about in dating strategy is not necessarily language that is going to land when you are talking to people. So you'll hear me say screening, a screening step. A screening step is dating strategy. If you tell someone they're being screened, then it feels like they're at the TSA checkpoint and they are, you know, you're wanding them with a with a metal detector or you're like peering at them with that, you know, that thing where you have to like, spread your legs and the, the probably cancerous rays permeate your body. Yeah, nobody wants to feel like that when they're dating, okay? So give your dates the TSA pre-check level screening, of course, but just specifically that language can feel very robotic, very clinical if it's used like, I just want to screen my dates. No, we want to say like, I just want to make sure that we're aligned on the same page. And similarly, when I hear, again, value's really important. It's a core pillar of long-term relationship compatibility. But I'll just tell you, when I hear the way that it was phrased, Maria, when I hear, I want to make sure that we're aligned with each other's values, there's the slightest tinge of judgment that is transmitted through that, of like, I value non-drinking. Now, Maria, I want to make sure you understand, I'm not saying that you are a judgmental person. I'm just saying when I hear that, when I read that, there feels like a tone of judgment underneath it. So I want to just give you my honest response to that because that might be an element in the situation you're dealing with. I don't know your reasons for choosing to be a non-drinker and I totally support them. But I also think it's important that somebody who may have a different history or relationship with alcohol may choose to drink and may share values with you but they may not have the same relationship with alcohol that you have. Does that make sense? So like whether drinking is something that makes you feel out of control or drinking is something that just doesn't align with you in your body and doesn't make you feel healthy or whether drinking is something that, you know, there's a history of abuse in your your family that you have certain associations with alcohol that that person may not have. So I would then go a step further to isolate what is the behavior that you are trying to avoid? And it may be a behavior in yourself. It may be like, I don't want to kiss someone whose breath I can taste alcohol on. I remember even when I was dating my husband, um, before we were even exclusive, his birthday was like six weeks after we started dating. And he was having a party. I don't know why he was having a birthday party on my side of town. We lived like a 50 minute drive from one another. Um, but he was having a birthday party near my house. And I was like, I prefer if you don't stay over because I don't like being around people that are like really drunk and it's your birthday. So you should go and have the best time and do whatever you want to do. But I don't really want to see you in that state. That will change our relationship. That will change how I perceive you. Now, my husband does not have an alcohol problem and it was not an issue, but he respected that I put that boundary out there and I knew how I wanted to feel with him in that relationship at that phase. And he went to the party, had a blast and had his friend drive him back to his own apartment. So 
that is the question really to ask of what is the association with, and this, this is for anyone who has a filter on their dating profile or what they believe to be a value that they want their date to uphold and ask, is it that specific thing or is it what that thing represents to me? And once you have that answer, then you know how to proceed, Maria. Then you know how to say, look, I hope I didn't make you feel judged when I said that. It's just that this is how drinking makes me feel. And it's very important to me to be with someone who doesn't drink or doesn't drink around me or only drinks occasionally. And I would love to get to know you better, but I just want you to understand where I was coming from. And then you know what to do after that. The pause, 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 listen, see what she has to say. And that could absolutely clear the air or that could show that, you know what, this is a part of her lifestyle. It's It sounds like the way that she presented it to you, it's not really a huge part of her lifestyle, but she doesn't probably want to feel like she's being policed, like she still wants to have some autonomy to make her decisions and still get to know you and support you in what you value while also living her independent life. Our next question came from someone in my program in an email. We'll call this person Jay. They said, what is a kind and graceful way to end a relationship if you decide it isn't working out? I'm terrible at ending relationships and I often end up letting things linger way past their expiration date. I often tell myself, He's not so bad. He's a nice guy. But deep down, I know that it isn't going to work out. This year, I'm focusing on creating better boundaries. So I want to learn how to be better at this skill. I love, Jay, that you are thinking of these dating skills as skills to be learned. And these are opportunities to practice. You get every time you go on a date, you get an opportunity to practice boundary setting. And you get an opportunity to understand yourself better and what you will or will not accept, allow in your life. I'm going to reframe your your thinking around ending the relationship because I feel like there might be a little bit of people pleaser in you, Jay, where you feel like, oh, I want to give this person the benefit of the doubt. They will be disappointed if I tell them it's not working out. And so I'm just going to stay in it just going to compromise my own needs for a little bit and just see if maybe, maybe I'm asking for too much. Maybe if I make this person happy enough, maybe they'll make me happy. I'm probably going too far with that, but I think you know what I'm saying. But the reframe here, Jay, is that it's your, it's your goal to find the best possible relationship for yourself. I want you to be wildly, madly, passionately in love with the person that you ultimately choose. And Staying in this kind of sort of halfway situation, I actually don't think that's very compassionate to the other person or to yourself because you are, you are stuffing your own needs and at the same time, you're giving them hope that if they tap dance a little harder, they might make it. They might be the one. They're not going to make the cut. The chorus line is fierce, girl. And if you already know, if you have clarity, and you said a relationship, so you've been dating them for a little while, even if they are a great person, if they're not a great person for you, the most compassionate thing you can do is to set them free, is to let them go and find there's somebody who's going to absolutely love everything they bring to the table. And there's someone that you are going to be like, 
oh, why did I settle for that when I could have had that? But you won't know if you stay in this kind of sort of what if situation. So practice the boundary by setting the boundary. And the discovery really comes in letting go of needing to control the outcome, needing for that person to be okay. You need to make yourself okay first, right? You need to... You need to find your own strength and practice that. And I'll tell you what, you'll probably be surprised by the outcome and especially by actually telling that person and not ghosting, which seems to be the default now. But if you actually tell that person, you are such a great guy. I really have enjoyed getting to know you, but I have to be honest. I just don't feel that it's a match and I don't think it's fair to you for me to continue in this relationship. He can't argue with that because you've spoken your truth. You've set a very clear boundary. And and then if you've already made the decision and you have conviction in your decision, if you know this is not the person, then there's nothing that they can say. I mean, sometimes they'll be like, oh, well, give me another chance or what if, or you didn't even really. No, if you already know, you know, you know, you know. And then you just say, I don't want to waste your time. It's just really, I'm really not feeling it. And you're a great person. And there's somebody who is out there who's right for you. And unfortunately, I'm not it. But I wish you lots of luck. And that's where the empathy and the compassion comes back in. But it's the most compassionate thing that you can do for yourself and for the other person. I hope you enjoyed episode 403 of Dates and Mates. If you love the show, will you do just two two small things for me? One, share it on social media. Tell a friend so we can heal more hearts and soothe more souls. And two, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Let us know which guests and topics you loved and we'll make more shows that give you what you want to hear. Speaking of which... I want to hear from you. You can send me your questions for Dear Demona in a DM. I'm at Demona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also call me or text me your question at 424-246-6255. Make sure you follow Burton Kelso on all the socials at Burton Kelso. And you can get more of his tech insights on his website, burtonkelso.com. We'll be back again next week with my guest, Stephanie Jasandi Little, who is also known as the fashion therapist. We'll be talking about how to design a date wardrobe that works for you. Until then, I wish you happy dating.